When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and RealNurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm here today with Suzanne Cini. Suzanne, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So start off, tell our listeners who you are, where you're from. I am the co-owner of Active Realty. My partner is Justin Tai. Um, we have multiple offices over Southern California. So I'm here in Orange County. Um, we have a Riverside office and a San Diego office as well. Awesome. Orange County. We were just talking about how I'm in Huntington Beach right down the street and the air show is happening this weekend. It's once a year <laughs> and they are practicing. So Today's if you hear, the day. Today's yeah, the day. let's do it. <laughs> so if you hear a jet go by, that's what it is. I'm going to try to mute while you're speaking to let you get your point across without any background noise. But what got you into real estate? You know, I actually came from Zillow. So I worked at Zillow for quite some time. My role at Zillow was coaching and training agents on how to build teams and really showing them how to maximize their marketing to do that, you know, and and make sure that they're getting enough leads for their team to keep people happy and keep the team growing. And um, I got to a point where I was like, I could do this. I could do this myself. (laughs) I'm showing other people how to do it. And And I have always been a firm believer, you know, I'm probably like everyone else thinking that uh, real estate was easy, you know, and and getting into it. But I'm still a believer, happy to say five years later that I am a firm believer that real estate, people make real estate harder than it needs to be. I think that um, we can do a really good job at making this transaction really smooth and you know, consumers, agents, everyone can get along and um, it doesn't always need to be as difficult as it sometimes can be. Yes, absolutely. Sometimes we make it more difficult than it needs to be. And we don't allow ourselves to leverage all the resources that are available to us, right? We, we just choose to make it harder. So I think it's really important to focus on lead generation because it really is the lifeblood of real estate brokerage. I mean, you go back to the millionaire real estate agent from you know Gary Keller way back. And he's like, really what you are is a lead generator, right? Like this is what you need to be doing is generating listing leads primarily. Mm-hmm. And so 
you know, with you being the active realty partner now in Orange County and, and you mentioned Riverside and a few areas of Southern California, what does that look like for you? Having that relationship with the largest lead generator that this industry has ever seen. Um, yeah, so it was really neat to be selected by Zillow, um, even though I my background was, you know, originally with Zillow, they had an extensive vetting process, they interviewed a ton of agents. And, you know, I was really lucky to land that opportunity along with my partner, Justin, who had been, you know, heavily advertising with Zillow for years. And so we really put our best foot forward and we showed them that we kind of operate with the same mentality, which is, and and I kind of touched on it already, which is take care of the consumer, you know? And um, I think that that's always been really big for me. The consumer is your North star. And also with Justin, he, he feels the same exact way. And so I think it was a really great fit. And then on top of that, you know, with that comes many, many opportunities, because while yes, you know, there are plenty of lead programs out there, you know, what active realty has is something that nobody else has access to. And in the current market we're in, I mean, it's, it's great to have access to sellers, right? And um, in this situation, we that is exactly what we get. So I know it's tough to generate listing leads, as you mentioned, and that should be a focus for all. And um, I guess that's one thing that we're really lucky with is we have no shortage of those leads (laughs) or opportunities. Right, which is amazing. And so now, I mean, I'm sure that your focus is finding good talent to be able to receive this huge incoming lead source that you have exclusive access to in in the Orange County area. Would, Would that be fair to say? Definitely. And I think, you know, like we talked about, it's important to bring people on that have that same goal that is to take care of the client. Because Mm. honestly, I mean, you know, we talked about it a little bit beforehand, but a lot of people are afraid of Zillow, a little intimidated by, you know, what they are in this space. But at the end of the day, they do really, really care about perception, the consumer, and that's really important to us too. So anyone that we do bring on, we always want to make sure that you know, they're completely aligned with exactly what we're aligned with, which is always taking care of the client, putting the client first. And so it's really important for us to get like-minded people here at Active. It's a huge focus and everyone talks about culture, right? (laughs) And um, we firmly believe that we want to be a little bit different. You know, I've been at the big box brokerages and I've been at the um, the Orange County brokerages too, that you walk into the office and everyone hates you because they think that you're going to steal their business. And so we operate here with a completely different mentality of, you know, we're one big team. We want to see each other excel. So that is the person that we want at Active Realty, someone that's going to work hard because there's tons of business to, to capture someone that's going to take care of their client, but ultimately that's also going to be a team player and work together and have fun while doing it. Right. And, you know, if you didn't have that client focus, the customer service focus prior to having the relationship with Zillow, they wouldn't have selected you. 
Never. Right? No. Because you really need to have that focus in order to even have those opportunities come up. So I'm glad that you still have that focus today. And I would love to give my listeners some context as to you know where you are in terms of transaction volume with your team. And then I have some follow-up questions to help you know, some that are within striking distance of that number, then you can give them advice. So do you have metrics on like transaction volume last year for your whole team? Yeah, so we did uh, just over 1500 transactions last year. Um, this year, we're on track to exceed that by probably 2x is what we're looking at. With that comes a lot of growth. You know, when I originally partnered with Justin, we had, you know, 14 agents that were kind of plugging away. And now we're up to 185 agents. We have a full San Diego team of rock stars, Team Zandra. They are, you know, dominating in San Diego. And, you know, we've got all sorts of pockets within Active Realty and all sorts of teams that are just destroying numbers from last year and and two years ago in this market, which, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen, right? And I think we're probably going to talk about the market a little bit, but we are one of the lucky ones that due to, you know, doing the right things, I think, you know, all of it has come full circle. The opportunity has come to us and we cherish it. And um, we work as hard as we possibly can to constantly meet and exceed those goals. I love Zandra. Go Team Z. The best. So with that being said, I mean, it's a little bit tough to relate your experience to a common brokerage that has 10 agents. They're doing, you know, high performing volume. But let's say, I don't know, you were at a thousand, maybe even less than maybe 500 transactions with your team and you wanted to get to a thousand. Like, how do you double transactions when you're already doing 500? right? Like what, what's some advice that you could give to brokers out there listening that are like, man, 1500. And she said she doubled, she went to 3000. Like they're, they're thinking, you know, I do 300 transactions a year. I'm a big fish. And now that they've been kind of put in their place of like, oh, wow. (laughs) But hopefully they can take that as a learning experience and be humbled by the fact that, you know, there are learnings that can help level you up and get you there. So do you have any advice for for brokers that are high performing, but they'd still like to grow or maybe remove themselves from the day to day? Or, you know, there's so many pain points when you get to that level. Yeah. I mean, what it comes down to is with or with it, without this opportunity, being Zillow's exclusive partner, I'm very confident that we would be in the same exact position because mm. we understand the value of marketing. We understand that. And, and like I said, Justin's always been a heavy spender for the brokerage. And I think that's the, the biggest difference as a brokerage between us and most others. Um, you know, we're not about like flashy and it really for us, what we're about is how can we give our agents business? And that is the mentality that we operate with all the time. So it doesn't matter if it came from this amazing relationship that we have with Zillow, or if it came from other lead sources, Zillow is not our only lead source. We're still constantly trying to bring in other opportunities that you know we can take to our agents. So it really, to us, wouldn't matter either way. 
because that is the big difference is what are you as a brokerage providing to your agents, you know, be different, be bold. You can't be old school. You know, you can't be thinking about the same things that you always have and tell your agents like, Hey, we've got these great flyers for you to do door knocking with. Like, yes, their door knocking is like, like, we know we have to do it. It's a thing, but there are many other ways to generate business that could also potentially you know, bring you a higher ROI on your time. (laughs) So, um, so, you know, that is the biggest focus to me. It's all about what are you providing to your agents? What value are you providing to your agents that is going to make them successful, you know, and um, you got to think outside of the box a little bit. I mean, I get it. Um, Bringing them opportunities is I don't know if I'd necessarily say it's out of the box, but I will say that most brokerages are not focusing on that. They're focusing on, you know, the usual things that brokerages use to recruit people. Like we've got this really great marketing suite and we have this cool CRM, but like, what does that actually do for your pocket? You know, and I Mm. think that if you're constantly focusing on how you can make your agents successful, I want to see my agents be more successful than me. I want to see them, you know, the sky's the limit. We have no egos here. And um, all I want to do is make that happen for them. And, you know, that's how we all thrive. I love that. And coming from a recruiting standpoint, it really is not about the recruiter. It's about the recruit. It's about what they want. Mm -hmm. And if you can help to make it clear that your office will get them there faster, better, more enjoyably, then that's a clear choice for them. And they'll love coming on board and they'll thrive. Mm -hmm. So I totally agree with everything you said and, and really admire what you've built. So I'm curious today for Suzanne, what is the single most important action that you take on a daily basis that attributes most to your success? You know, it's funny. I could call myself a creature of habit. I'm very consistent, but I think what's really important that I have to do every single day is I have to actually take some time for myself. Every single morning I wake up early when, you know, no one's texting me, no one's calling me, no one's emailing me. And I focus on what my goals are for that day. I come up with my best ideas. It's, it's the me time, you know, and um, it doesn't need to be a lot of time, but it, you have to take that time because I feel that it's so easy to get caught up in the day and the day will take hold of you. So I make it a point every single day to take that time for myself, the Zen time to just focus on what do I need to do for that day? And I truly think that that has led to my consistency because I fully intend on accomplishing that so that I'm not thinking about it the next day. Super important. And I would love to crystallize that and make it super clear for our listeners So you're waking up early before, you know, anything else is distracting you. And then would you say that window is five minutes, 10 minutes? You said it's not a lot of time, but you know, how long do you give yourself to just sit and ask that question? Like, what do I need to accomplish today? What are my goals for today? Such a quality question. Yeah. But what's that time frame? 
Yeah. It, like I said, it doesn't need to be long. I personally right. wake up and I read right away. That's the first mm. thing I do because when do we have time to read besides, you know, headlines these days? So I try and read something. And then after I read, it kind of gets all the juices flowing. And I really, <laughs> I come up with great ideas. And then that's when I'll take that time, like 10 minutes, you know, to just make sure that I have that time for myself to set the day off right, you know? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Is that any influence from the Miracle Morning? It's not. No, it's just something that I've always done. I've always kind of been a morning person, um, but I also know that I've experienced, I mean, we're working, it's real estate. We're working 24-7. So there's no other time that you're going to have for yourself besides, you know, silence in the morning when everyone's asleep. So. Right. Uh, Makes sense. And I'm a big subscriber of that as well. My first exposure to it was the Miracle Morning from Hal Elrod. But after that, I've heard it said so many different ways Mm -hmm. that it finally stuck. And I started getting up early, started to read, have audiobooks or different types of mentally stimulating inputs, and then just some free time to think and let my mind just solve the problems of the day before even really diving in. And one of my mentors said it best. He said, one minute of planning saves two minutes of execution. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to take that time because you're like, oh, I'm so busy. I'm doing this. To but if you do take that time, all of a sudden you don't feel as overwhelmed and you feel like every action is strategic and making progress toward the goal that matters most. So right. really, really key point. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. So today I'm curious about your percentage of you know referral business for the brokerage as opposed to new business. You have this incredible lead generation source, but real estate is still real estate. I'm sure that a lot comes from sphere and referrals and maybe events. So you do have that percentage. Is it like 80, 20, 50, 50, 90, 10? Like what's referral to new business for you? I mean, at this time, because we're, we are constantly receiving new business. I, it is more of an 80, 20. One thing I'll say is that, and, and just speaking for myself and the way that I have always been able to kind of, you know, have repeat business from, you know, when, when I jumped into real estate, the consistent feedback that I get from my clients is that I'm honest with them. I don't just tell them what they want to hear and they know it. And I'm often, I'll tell them, I'm going to be pickier than you are on this house. If it's a buyer, I'm going to be pickier than you are. And I show them that. (laughs) Um, And it's true. I am because I'm not a yes man. Like I it's no, it's, I'm going to tell you the honest truth. And I have to say that is the number one piece of feedback from my repeat clients. And also what prompts them to come back to me, you know, because mm. there are so many agents out there that really, I mean, look, we all want to get a transaction done, but if you are not, if you do not have the mentality of I'm going to fight and take care of my client, then, you know, versus the mentality of like, I want to get through this transaction and make money, they see right through it. So I continue to get repeat clients because my clients know that that is genuinely how I feel and what I'm going to do. And so even if I'm not in front of them all the time, which I try to stay pretty heavy on social media, always add my clients on social media um, to at least stay in front of them that way. And they know what's going on. But 
you know, even if I'm not constantly dropping them mailers or, you know, delivering cookies at Christmas, they know that what really matters is that I protected them. You know, I saved them from making a poor decision because I told them, I'm not going to allow you to buy this house that backs to PCH or backs, you know, that backs to the 405. Like, I'm just not going to let you do that. So, you know, I think that, I think that the number one thing that I bring to my agents and that I tell my agents is to sometimes, you know, you've got to say the things that, your clients don't necessarily want to hear, but in the long run, they're going to appreciate you, respect you, and they're going to work with you forever because of it. Makes sense. And I operate the same way in the multifamily real estate space because it seems almost like a business model for a lot of other brokerages, and I'm not going to name names, (laughs) but they come in and they value a property on a two cap to get the listing. And then they wear the property owner down with inspections and walkthroughs. And then they say, actually, we need to drop it 300,000 before we list it. Yeah. That's not the way that I choose to do business. I'm honest with them up front. I let them know what's actually happening in the market. I mention to them what their true expected payout will be based on where we really should settle. And hey, do I lose a listing to you know the, the big guys or whoever else is out there Overpromising and under-delivering sometimes, yeah. But in the long run, it's building so much goodwill that mm-hmm. I'm just getting started. I'm going to yeah. be doing real estate the rest of my life, you know, whether it's it's my full-time gig and it's active or it's more passive and I still have my license and I'm doing it on the side. Like it's real estate is always going to be there for me. So I look at this as such so much more of a long-term journey and wow. the relationships are everything. The relationships and I think that's are everything. That's the biggest difference. You know, it's when someone's looking at a transaction as their paycheck, you know, they're not seeing it as that long term. But I think that, you know, if you constantly have that in mind, and again, if you constantly have your clients in mind and and their goals and you keep them as your North Star, you're always going to make in the end, you will win. You will win long term. Yep, absolutely. And talking about long term. I would love to learn what your thoughts are for the future of the industry. You know, it's so interesting how Tesla has reinvented the car buying experience. I own a Tesla and I've also bought other cars in the past. I mean, comparatively, it's like you either go to a dealership and you spend four hours there getting approved and getting sold and getting upsold and negotiating and doing all this stuff, or you go online, you pick out your car, you test drive it if you want to, in a few clicks, put a credit card down, order it, and it arrives at your door (laughs) two weeks later. And it's a totally different experience. It's so much more enjoyable. I mean, from the ground up, they reinvented the car buying experience. So now let's go to the home buying experience or the home selling experience. I mean, with Zillow offering an incredible technology solution where, look, whether you agree with it or not, as a listener out there, the industry and the market has voted that this is what they like. Yeah. How have they voted? With their engagement and their eyeballs. They have Mm -hmm. said, I want this app on my phone because it's easy. It's a better way to gather information. It's a better way to save searches. It's intuitive. And I'm able to get the information I need to buy or sell my house more effectively, right? So with that being said, how do you see the, the industry evolving over the next five, 10 years? 
I think it's rapidly evolving, as we both know. Um, you know, probably the the past year or so has catapulted that as well to where now yes. consumers are even willing to do a lot more of the. I mean, I I wouldn't watch a three D tour before, you know, but <laughs> but so I think that they're much more engaged in that. But also, you know, the consumer has demanded this change, as you said. So it's it's very clear that. This is what this is what I want. This is what you want. Like we want simplicity and we want an easy transaction. And quite frankly, we don't always want to want someone, you know, showing up at our door or, you know, just picking up the phone and calling. Like we want that tech involved where a lot of the the tough stuff is removed, you know? And like I opened when I told you, I firmly believe that the real estate process should be simplified. I do not think it should be as hard as it is. And I talk to agents all day, every day. And, um, you know, I can see that there's a way that things have always been done, but that doesn't mean that that's the right way. And it means Mm. that, you know, we, we have got to evolve. The consumer has already evolved. So as an industry, we need to be there to support them. Does that mean that agents are going to go away and they're just going to, you know, click through on Zillow and buy and sell their home and, you know, agents aren't going to exist? No, not at all. I think what you and I just talked about, which is, you know, that realness and that truth and honesty that, you know, a computer cannot give them is never going to change. But what is going to change is you need to provide a different value than you provided five, 10 years ago, because information is all over the internet. The consumer often our client knows more about the house than we do when they're, when they're reaching out about a property. And that's okay because that's not my only value to bring to my client. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think in the past that was a huge value. Agents would bring their clients listings. Well, now their clients are bringing them listings and saying, can we <laughs> see this property? But now you need to bring something else to the table. And I think your expertise, your honesty, you know, that is what really matters because we have done this a thousand times now and, you know, a couple hundred times for most. And it, you know, we do have something to bring to the table and um, proving that value is really what's going to keep us around. And, you know, going back to the simplicity of things, I think agents, you know, we all have the same goal, which is like, let's get this done in a positive way for our client. Right. And I think that the more we all work together with that goal, um, it doesn't need to be the game that it is. You know, I, I firmly believe that if everyone's doing what's right for their client, being real and really just leave the games, put those to the side and just do business, do real estate and do what's right for your client. That is what's going to keep us going in the long run, you know? Technology will be there to make our jobs easier. And I and I hope that something changes in the mortgage. I hope the mortgage experience gets a lot easier. That's a pain point for clients, you know? So it needs to evolve to meet consumer expectations. And I'm going to be right there when it does. You know, I will find my value. Even if it changes, you know, five, 10 years from now, I will have that value and I will provide that to my client. Absolutely. And 
it's extremely important to understand your value and the value that you bring to your clients because it is not being a keeper of information. It's not the value anymore, right? So I love it. You explained that extremely well. And uh, I think that what I would like to learn next is what are one to three books that have influenced your life or career? I mean, you're a rock star. Look at this. (laughs) You know, I have to say my absolute favorite book was Never Split the Difference. (laughs) I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I laugh. I'll tell you why I laugh. I love it. It's such a great book. I literally just finished listening to it and it's been suggested to me by at least seven of the people that are in my circle that I respect a lot. So there's something there. Yeah. I think that's definitely one of my go-tos because I feel like that's a storyteller and it'll get you through it, especially in those early mornings. But Seven Habits, I think, is always, you know, in 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. I, or Mm. Seven, yeah, that series I honestly read when I was 17 years old. And I am continuing to read them again now, you know, Um, actually 21 Irrefutable Laws. I'm reading that again because I, I think that, you know, as, as times changed and we go through changes, we can refer back to those and and we soak it in differently and implement it in a different way. So I I mean, I don't know about you, but it's hard to remember things that I read when I was 17. Um, But I feel that that set who I was and how I operated um, at a very young age. And I actually like going back to it now and, and, you know, continuing to change my path and see how, see where it takes me now. Absolutely. I mean, rereading and re-listening to trainings is so key to implementing what is is in those books because, I mean, think about it. Someone spent 20 years doing that. They wrote a 200-page book. You read it once. You probably actually retain like 10% of it, if that. Mm-hmm. So, by going through it again, you will take more. And I always nowadays try to slow down and do the exercises that are suggested. Because oh, yeah. so many times I would read a self-help book, get to the end of the chapter, and they're like, do these tasks and journal and ask yourself this question. I'd be like, next chapter and just keep reading. Yeah. But when you slow down and you're like, okay, he just gave me homework or she just gave me homework, and you actually sit down and do it. When I read the four-hour work week the second time, I actually did the tasks And guess what? That's when I actually made the changes that impacted my life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the authors put those there for a reason. And, you know, the reading list that you suggested there for those three are absolute staples. I'm glad you mentioned those. And I think the one thing that I've implemented in recent years, which may be showing my age too, but um, is, is taking notes. You know, when I'm reading in the morning, especially because, you know, I'm just waking up, it's my, you know, but I'm taking notes because I know that, you know, we're not going to retain it all. And, and I want to make sure that I refer back to that later. And I think that that's Mm. really helped, you know, retain and use that throughout the day. Yeah. I love that. It's easy to be an outsider listening and looking in and say, wow, Suzanne is so successful you know, how does she do all this? But I'm sure that there are a lot of stories behind that, right? And I'm curious to learn if you have a favorite failure of yours, you know, some kind of failure that set you up for later success. Yeah, you know, okay, I've got a good one. This one's kind of crazy. I, I can't wait to 
replay this for this person. But um, so I got into the sales world very young and I was working at MCI actually in a call center. And I at 17 years old decided that I wanted to move up in the company and run a team. And so I applied for the team lead position And the person that I interviewed ended up telling me that I was too young and um, that I couldn't run the team because I was literally still in high school. (laughs) And so for me that I remember crying because I was, you know, very upset. And I remember him telling me, this is why you are not running this, running a team, like basically saying like, you're a big baby, you're too young for this. Mm-hmm. And so I I took that for what it was and kept doing my thing, continued to be a top performer. And one year later, the, it was actually even before I turned 18, he ended up giving me that promotion and giving me that team. But I think that, I don't necessarily think that that was a failure, but it taught me really young you know, what the expectation was from a leader. And, you know, we're all going to have our moments. (laughs) Um, And I, I showed mine, but I think that, you know, it's really important all the time that we're leading by example. I was actually talking to someone about that today. And, you know, it's, we're, we're all vulnerable and we all have those moments where, you know, not everything is sunshine and rainbows, but remember that someone is always watching you and looking to you, you know, for their motivation. And so that's definitely something that, that stuck with me. I ended up, you know, turning it into a win. I I think he was a little harsh on the 17 year old Suzanne, but I turned it into a win. And I remembered that. And even to this day, I think, again, it's okay to share your vulnerability. And I think that, you know, people really resonate with that. But I also know that sometimes there's someone going through so much worse and they're looking to me for strength. So I'm going to give that no matter what, 100% all the time. I love that. Great learning lesson. You were young, you're vulnerable, he crushed you. <laughs> crushed my you dream. Cried. <laughs> but he was and like, then, this is why, this is it. And, you know, and he, I mean, what he said was really crazy. He was like, literally, if you cry again, you're not going to work here. <laughs> but, you know, I took a lot from that of like what, yeah. what the world is like out there, you know? It was a character building moment. It was. Yeah. There you go. And the next question I'd like to ask you is in regards to, you know, all the information and advice that's flying around for real estate professionals to consume nowadays. What are some bad recommendations you hear given to real estate professionals? You know, I touched on it a little bit earlier when I said old school tactics. I actually did a reel on this like yesterday. (laughs) I think that agents are told that they have to farm and they have to, you know, door knock and they have to send out mailers and like, that's what, and they have to, you know, go to broker previews. And like, you know, I, I just think that there are other ways to do things, you know, and I think that there's still a lot of that, even new agents coming in, that's literally the first thing they say. And they're like, oh, I've got to find my farm and start door knocking. 
And I'm like, we have like 42 clients that are looking for help, like literally calling you. So I think just, you know, that train of thought of, you know, there, there are other ways to generate business. It doesn't always have to be that kind of like, let's go pound the pavement mentality. Well, I think that that's good and that's okay. But I, I mean, we, you and I both know that most real estate agents don't even make it through their first year because, you know, that's kind of what you're told to do. That's what people think like, oh, I'm going to sell my friends and family. And then like they use somebody else and you're, you know, scrambling to try and make an income, you know? So it's like, I think that actual marketing and and paying for leads, it's always a, a tough pill to swallow. But I think it's really important to understand that, hey, your first year, you might not make any money and you might spend a ridiculous amount of money. But year two, that's going to pay off. Year three, it's going to pay off, you know, 4X and, you know, so on and so on if you're putting the right things into place. Great piece of advice. And falls right into place with what I've been preaching for years as a digital marketing owner. It's like, look, this isn't going to pay off day one. Real estate is not an impulse purchase. They're not going to a website and impulse buying something for less than $20 instantly. Like it's, that's not it, right? It's going to take a time period of letting them trust you and you then helping them and building value. And then they'll make this emotional decision and you'll help them through that emotional decision with hopefully some, some logic and some good advice. And then the transaction will close, but it's not going to happen day one. Right. right. And we will create these opportunities for you by massively exposing you to way more people via digital marketing than you ever would have contacted just by sharing it to your local Facebook groups. Right. Right. We're going to get you out there to so many more people and have them opt in and raise their hand to be contacted, but it's not going to be immediate and there will be a process involved. So I agree with what you said there. It's like, you don't have to go start a farm, go door knock, do these things that might not resonate with your personality. Right. If those do resonate with your personality, cool, go do that. But if they don't, that's not a prerequisite to be a successful real estate agent today. And a lot of brokerages will actually provide leads for you, right? Like Suzanne's brokerage, like providing <laughs> leads for agents. Yeah. And a lot of the brokers that I partner with, with my agency, they actually provide the leads for their agent and they're my client. The agent isn't my client. Like sometimes individual agents reach out to me and they're like, hey, I'm in my first year. I want leads. I heard you on a podcast or, and I'm like, okay, well, Let's get in touch with your broker because yeah. <laughs> this is going to take a while and there's significant, you know, ups there's a significant investment in the beginning to get it all started and do it right. But uh, I usually suggest for them to, you know, ask their broker, get advice, start with some, some friends and family and just kind of get the ball rolling and focus on sales before you focus on marketing because you need those systems in place. You need good processes. You need the ability to complete some transactions and then you can turn on the digital marketing and stuff. So, right. yeah, with that being said, I mean, there's so many opportunities out there. You, you mentioned that Justin has always, you know, been a big spender and he's always looking for new opportunities to generate more business. So I'm curious what your process is for evaluating what to say no to. You know, it's funny because I think that um, we don't say no too often 
because we are willing to give everything a go. You know, I think that it's really important to do your research and talk to people that are currently, you know, in involved in the program. But I think, you know, we're as real estate agents like and salespeople, we're probably the easiest sale there is. But, you know, we have the mentality that we are always looking to, you know, to grow and um, we want to be on the forefront. So there's not a lot that, I mean, unless it's, again, like if it's a um, kind of a, a played out idea, you know, maybe that's something that we would go the other direction. But for the most part, I mean, we're really open to trying, you know, whatever works, whatever is going to make our client or our uh, agents successful. Yeah, no, and that's awesome that you're open to trying new things, giving it a go, and, you know, really being open to all the amazing opportunities out there. Because, I don't know, sometimes companies that are smaller and hyper-focused discover something incredible that a lot of the bigger companies that are slower to move and adjust haven't quite adapted to yet. So, uh, really awesome to hear that. So, with that being said, I have a question about beliefs, behaviors, and habits. And I would really love to learn in the last five years, what belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? Well, I think I already told you what- Is um, it that morning? morning Yeah, honestly, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm not that I've always been more of a morning person, but I think implementing what I knew had to happen which is genuinely a habit. Um, I think the other thing is the positivity that I touched on. I think it's so easy to get caught up in the negative, especially like of the world. You know, I think um, a lot of times it can feel like, um, you know, no one can agree on anything. And, you know, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot to get caught up in. And um, quite frankly, I just choose to ignore it. And I choose to, to do my best every single day. I think and I see from my agents all the time that that is the biggest difference. You know, we have some that will come out and today they have a super positive attitude and, you know, they're ready to attack the day. Um, but it's not consistent, you know, and I think that there are a few different types of outlooks on life. And I think it's really, really important to go the positive route to, you know, not take the route that you think that everyone's out to get you and, um, you know, go the route that like you genuinely believe that, you know, everyone's here and working together, even with agents, I don't approach a transaction thinking like, hey, you know, this is going to be a nightmare. This guy's going to be terrible. I'm thinking, hey, he's pretty good. Maybe I'm going to learn from him, you know, or maybe they're not very good. And maybe I can teach them something, you know, and taking that and spinning it into a positive every single day. Wow. I love that. Positive mindset, a solid morning formula with good habits and you'll be set up for success. Is there a question that I should have asked you or anything that you'd like to elaborate on from earlier? You know, the only thing that I will say is that I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to relationships, you know, um, keeping thinking about my clients and my relationships with them, thinking about the relationships that I've made in the industry 
thinking about the road as far as, you know, the partnerships that I've, you know, been able to acquire um, and then the relationships with agents. And I think that it all comes together to, you know, where I am today and where I want to continue to grow. But it has 100% contributed to my success because I am constantly caring about my relationship with others. So don't burn any bridges and, you know, be nice. As simple as that sounds, I think in real estate, it gets really tough to do that sometimes, but throw a smile on your face, be nice, and, um, you know, make it as best as you can make every situation as enjoyable as it can possibly be for everyone involved. Love that. Suzanne, how can listeners contact you? (laughs) So they can check me out on Instagram at Suzanne Sini. They can go to my email, Suzanne at activerealty.com, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E. Don't call me Susan. But yes, I um, am always available and always looking to continue to build these relationships. So thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Suzanne Sini, everyone, Active Realty, Southern California, massive transaction volume, partnering with Zillow, hand-selected from Zillow, uh, you know, over many other agents who I'm sure were doing great work and, and also were in the running. Says a lot about everything that you're doing to be client-centric, client-focused, and I mean, you have more leads than you know what to do with. So <laughs> if, you're, if you're a real estate agent out there interested in joining a great team in Southern California, definitely contact Suzanne. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free ultimate real estate goal setting framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.